Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, we are here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Okay, here is a quote from Thomas Zipperly. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, CFO for SAP Southeast Asia. And he said, disruptive technologies will be used in the office of the CFO to increase productivity, simplify processes, and support decision-making. Okay, we're talking technology, we're talking tech, and we're talking, of course, about CFOs. So let's deep dive a little bit more. Attention, CFOs and everybody in the finance department. You can become a smart steward to drive the fiscal and operational decisions for your entire business. Yes, you can. How well, you already know. You can use real-time data access. You can use next, genera- next generation, excuse me, visualization. I didn't see it clearly. AI, machine learning, and other modern technologies. But is being a smart steward enough? We don't think so. You need to be truly an intelligent steward. And in order to do this, finance has to enable collaboration, not just sitting around and talking and discussing. Collaboration across the business units and link their plans so everything works together beautifully. Well-oiled machine, as we used to say. I have three experts on our panel today who are going to help us figure this out, and let me just tell you who they are before we hear from them. First up, we're welcoming a newcomer. He is Julian Delvat, D-E-L-V-A-T, if you want to look him up. He is at Truqua. He's the SAP S4HANA practice lead there. Joining him is a returning guest, Tiago Bala, Senior Manager at Deloitte Consulting. And rounding out the panel is Rob Jenkins, Global Senior Director, Global Analytics, EPM and Finance. That's a long title, Rob, at SAP. So welcome to our panelists. And now let's see what kind of a quote Julian Delvat has sent us for the opening. Uh, he's quoting somebody named Horatio Nelson Jackson, who lived from 1872 to 1955. He was an American physician, that's right, a doctor, and an automobile pioneer. Talk about creative careers. In 1903, Horatio Nelson Jackson and his driving partner Sewell K. Crocker became the first people to drive an automobile across the United States. Let me just read a little more here. While in San Francisco's University Club as a guest on May 18, 1903, Jackson agreed to a $50 bet, and I don't know if you know this, Julian, but today that would be worth about $1,360 to prove that a four-wheeled machine, meaning a car, could be driven across the U.S. He didn't even own a car. He had almost no driving experience, and he had no maps. He and his wife planned to go back to Burlington, Vermont in a few days, and they had been taking driving lessons. So Mrs. Horatio Nelson Jackson took the train back to Vermont, and Horatio joined his friend Sewell K. Crocker, and they had their first adventure driving course. What a story. Here's the quote. I do not believe you can do today's job with yesterday's methods and be in business tomorrow. Julian Delva, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted. I love the quote. I love the story. And a matter of fact, I was quoting a, a quote from Bertha Benz. She was the 39-year-old at the time of the quote, wife of uh, Carl Benz who started Mercedes-Benz, and I don't know if you know, but she helped to bankroll him. She had an engineering background, and she was part of the brains behind the success of the Benz motor car. Did you know that? 
Yeah, you told me last time. I think you should never underestimate, underestimate the women behind the, uh, the famous men. <laughs> there you go. So, Julian, talk to me about this quote. It's, it's fascinating for our topic today, talking about smart CFOs, intelligent stewards of the business, and collaboration. So go ahead. Yeah, I think it's kind of almost the contrary to, to Doug Brown from Back to the Future. We're saying roads where we're going, we don't need roads. It's, um, I mean, we have lots of those new technologies available, and, and the question is, well, how are we going to use it? And there has to be kind of trailblazers first, uh, first people adopting them. And, and you can see the courage and almost craziness of, of people adopting those new technologies, but it, it's kind of a must. Uh, we see in manufacturing a lot of companies adopting new breath, breathtaking and groundbreaking uh, technologies. But in the back office, and especially office of finance, uh, we don't have a lot of those uh, uh, pioneers uh, adopting new technologies, even though they can make a big difference. So I think that's what I like about this, this quote. Thank you very much. Very insightful. And it's one of those things I think people should uh, put on a, one of those motivational posters. Have you ever seen this one up on a wall anywhere, Julian? Not yet, not yet. Not yet, okay. There's a little side business for us. We'll have it printed up. Thank you very much. And joining us again is Tiago Bala at Deloitte, and he has sent us a quote from Nathaniel Brandon. I'd never heard of this gentleman. 1930 to 2014, a Canadian-American psychotherapist and writer known for his work in the field of psychology of self-esteem. And here's the background on Mr. Brandon. He was a former associate and romantic partner of Anne. Anne Rand, or Ayn Rand, as some people call her. He also played a prominent role in the 1960s promoting her philosophy of objectivism. They had a bad breakup, let's just leave it at that, after which he focused on his own psychological theories and modes of therapy. If you want to read it, go look up Nathaniel Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-E-N, on Wikipedia. It's a fascinating He said, she said story, and I won't say anything. Here's the quote. The first step toward change is awareness. The second step is acceptance. Tiago Bala, welcome back. How are you? Very good, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. Delighted. Talk to um, me about the quote. Yes, I think the quote really resonates about the topic, what we are discussing today. Um, Many organizations today, um, first of all, they need to understand that there is a digital disruption happening all over the place now. They need to understand this happening, and the first step is being aware of the dis- you know, disruptor. The next step is acceptance and also moving into those digital disruptors. How do you leverage that? How do you actually use those new modern technologies to actually bring value to the customers and service? So I think this resonates with what we are discussing today. Thank you very much. Nice to have you back on. And a shout-out to Carla Neal at Deloitte, who started tweeting about this early today. We appreciate that very much. And now let's welcome back Rob Jenkins. And Rob is, as I said, Global Senior Director, Global Analytics, EPM, and Finance at SAP. And he has sent us a quote from the very recently departed and sad sad life but a brilliant man, Dr. Stephen Hawking. Stephen William Hawking, C-H-C-B-E-F-R-S-F-R-S-A, passed away on March 14th. 14th of this year, English theoretical physicist, cosmologist, author, and director of research at the Center for Theoretical Cosmology within the University of Cambridge. Brilliant man, brilliant contributions, and nothing stopped him from sharing his brilliance with the world. There's a, there's a motivation right there. Here's the quote Rob has selected. We should seek the greatest value of our action. Rob Jenkins, how are you? Hi, Bonnie. How are you doing? 
Very, thank you for asking. Very well. Glad you're here. So talk to me about this quote from Stephen Hawking, please. You know, finance teams clearly do seek the greatest value of their action. And so when I saw that quote, I thought about finance really wanting to spend more of their time on strategic and economic analysis. They want to drive shareholder value. But so many times finance teams get bogged down into mundane tasks, data transformation, reconciliation, manual report creation. So these new technology platforms are really exciting. They bring social and mobile and all sorts of uh, data science to the table. So that's where finance obviously creates a lot of value is through analysis for the executive team. And they continue to seek on this journey to add uh, value, the greatest value of their action. Thank you, Rob. I, I want to ask you a question in my title for the show. Well, the title of this episode, I alluded to it, The Secret to Intelligent Financial Planning, Finance Planning is Collaboration. Uh, the human part of collaboration, it has to go beyond just having the tools, doesn't it, Rob? People have to sit down and talk to each other, or is it all through the analytics and the dashboards and the shared data pools? What's your perspective on that? It is, it is. And so finance can be very social. Social finance is definitely not an oxymoron. And so finance teams, now they have these tools that uh, they can chat, they can have a platform to interact and have these common calendars. So it is about personality and your disposition, really getting out and working with others, a common collaborative team cross-functionally including strategy people and people that really do mind the data. Uh, but it also is about, uh, you know, the platforming, having the tools to collaborate. So I think it's both. Thank you very much. Just wanted to get that in there. I'm always intrigued on many of our shows. We sort of get to the topic of the human side of business, the human side of technology and strategy, and it's always nice to bring the people into that. Thank you so much, Rob. Good opening from our panelists, and now let's get a little up close and personal with them. Julian Delvad, I have two questions for you. Number one, where are you calling from today? And number two, I see a wonderful smile in your PR photo I have here in my notes. So my question is, what's the best drink in the whole world that makes you smile like that? Julian, go ahead. <laughs> well, I am currently in Minneapolis, um, so I live actually in, in Florida, and you can hear from accent, I'm actually French, so kind of a global uh, global perspective on this, and um, I think I think what makes me smile is just everything that's unexpected. Uh, we actually had um, here today a tornado drill in the middle of Minneapolis, so I, I was not expecting that. <laughs> I don't think is- anybody ever ever is expecting something like that. A tornado drill? Did they make you, you know, in school when I was growing up in, in New York, they made us get under the desks when we had air raid drills. I, you can only imagine how, how, how long ago that was. But what did they make mm-hmm. you do? Well, we had to go to the executive parking lot, kind of, uh, you know, staring at the uh, expensive cars in the lot. But uh, that, was, <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> Very okay. unexpected when you come to the office in the morning. I'm sure. Did you give me your drink yet? I'm so intrigued with your weather story there. What do you love to drink? So, well, you know, as I, as I said, I'm, I'm French, and I think you had a, somebody on the show, Tamara, uh, said that yes. she loved champagne. Uh, well, my great-grandfather was actually uh, from Champagne region and was, you know, turning the bottles. So I have, have to go with champagne and... Um, um, my favorite brand is called Jeeper. It's it's another story there. 
um, um, a Frenchman from the region of, of Champagne during the war um, was helping the Americans, and uh, he got injured in the process. So when the Americans left, uh, he could not go back to his vineyard uh, because it was too steep. So they left him with uh, with an American jeep, and, and that's the the one he was using to go and take care of his of his vines. And um, the champagne is now called Jeeper from the Jeeper Man. So you can find it in your uh, you know favorite grocery stores. Uh, it's great champagne, great taste, and with a great story behind it. I have it here. It's Champagne Dash Jeeper, J E P E R. History of a name, a winemaking. Is this the one? The winemaking dynasty yep. since the 18th century. The Gauturb family produces high quality champagne in the village Absolutely. of Damery, in the heart yep. of the Marne Valley. Armand Gauturb, the heir to the business, passed a major milestone in the brand's history in the 1940s. I'll let you all look it up. So it's Champagne, C H A M p a g n e hyphen not the underscore hyphen j e e p e r dot com wow i got to get me a bottle of that for a special occasion yeah. thank you that's <laughs> first time we've ever heard that one julian thank you and yes Excellent. that was uh, to, to, to tamara mccleary was on a couple weeks ago yes 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 that's thank you very yep. much there you go we've only had one tamara so i remember her well tiago where are you today and what do you love to drink that powers you to be so smart and smiling um, I'm actually in Chicago today. I'm having actually a Kashmiri tea. So, it's what is that? Tea. Tell me. What's that? Yeah, tell me a little bit about the tea. What does it taste like? Where do you get it? Um, it actually came from Jammu and Kashmir, India. Um, the the funny part is, I think there are some restrictions for us to actually bring the specific tea. So I got us some get some written approval to bring the tea inside the U.S. So it's wow. a very special tea, have a very strong flavor. Um, you actually mix it along with some milk. It's really nice. Very interesting. Can you spell it for me? I want to look it up. You know me. I'm very curious. What's the spelling of the tea? It's actually K-A-S-H-M-I-R-I, Kashmiri. Oh, Kashmiri. Many, okay. Yeah. Okay. There I there thought that's what you were kinds. saying. I think the one specific one I uh, drink is um, something called uh, Three Rivers. Okay, I've got here Kashmiri pink chai with ground pistachios and almonds. I've got ap- uh, recipes for noon chai recipe for pink Kashmiri tea. I have cooked with faiza. Interesting. You, noon you noon chai. You are fast. The- <laughs> <laughs> I try. There's something called noon chai. It has its own Wikipedia page. Traditional tea beverage ma- from Kashmir made with salt, milk, and baking soda. Oh my! I'm going to skip that one. Very interesting. Very. Thank you so much, Yagu. Fascinating. And Rob Jenkins. Last but of course not least, my friend. Where are you today, and what pleases your palate in the beverage department? I am in Kansas City, and I am still in love with my Nespresso machine. Me too. So I like Roma is my uh, favorite uh, blend, and I use a little coconut milk in there. I usually order nine sleeves at a time and then uh, try, you know, sort of an exotic special sleeve uh, and always looking for the next one, but I'm still uh, focused on Roma. Roma, you know, I'm ready to do another order. My Nespresso machine is red. What color is yours? I think you told me before. Yes, mine is uh, silver. 
Okay, well, they would look good next to each other. I use it mostly for guests, as you know. They don't let me have, they don't let me anywhere near uh, caffeine on radio show days. And Tuesdays is a double header, so I had a show an hour, a little over an hour ago. So I'm just drinking my usual water, and I appreciate that. I had something I wanted to say to somebody about their beverage, but I think it'll probably have to wait. Good opening to the show. Uh, we are, if you're just joining us, we're talking about the secret to intelligent finance planning. We've left smart behind. We're looking at true intelligent. We're taking you to another level and we're talking about the tools and the technologies, but we're really getting down to the human side that really brings it to that new level and the word is collaboration. My very special guests are Julian Delvat at Truqua, Tiago Bala at Deloitte Consulting and Rob Jenkins at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham here in Durham, North Carolina, where we finally have some sunshine, but it's still very chilly. Uh, I, I, I saw something on Facebook last night. Somebody said, yes, we're having a delightful winter weather for early spring. It's it's a mild winter for early spring. We had free, freezing temperatures here last week. I had to take all of the plants on my porch and bring them inside because I didn't want them to freeze. They're still here a week later. So that just has to change soon. We've, we've got to get some warmth down here in the south. But I digress. We're going to take a quick break. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We're coming back with lots more. We're going to do a deep dive into the intelligent finance planning via collaboration roundtable when we come back. So I'll simply say Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. S4HANA, powered by SAP, is a part of SAP S4HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP S4HANA Finance draws upon innovative in-memory mobile and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more about SAP S4HANA Finance at SAP.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments, questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to financial excellence with Game Changers. Yes, indeed, we are back. And I have to do a shout out of appreciation to our listeners around the world. You have made Financial Excellence with Game Changers one of our most popular series. We have currently, I think we're up to 37 themed series presented by Game Changers, presented by SAP. And we're very grateful that you find this information interesting. And as always, we try to present serious financial strategy, technology, information in a, well, a real authentic human roundtable, real people speaking from their hearts. 
hearts. And clearly you are embracing that and appreciating it. So I'm just saying thank you to our global audience. We really appreciate you. So there, that's my little my little something to our audience. Now let's get back to our topic talking about truly intelligent finance planning. We're talking the finance department, the world of the CFO, and we've decided that collaboration is the key word here. You got to put the tools together, but you got to get the people to talk. We're speaking today with Julia Delvat at Truqua, Tiago Bala at Deloitte, and Rob Jenkins at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. Oh, I told you that before the break. Julian's going to start the roundtable. He sent me some really great information. Julian, I'm going to jump down to your third statement here. I like it because it's it's some self-reflection on finance. You say, in your own words, I don't see finance as the sage on top of the mountain, but the enabler of other functions. And so we're talking about finance becoming or being even a better steward to the business. So, Julian, take us through your ideas on this, please, and then we will ask the other two panelists to chime in. Go ahead. Absolutely, yes. Thanks, Paul, for that introduction. Um, yeah, it was, that was actually an answer to, to the introduction to, to this uh, um, podcast or radio show. The idea of, you know, having finance as the referee or the, the gatekeeper on every single decision is, I, I think, kind of outdated. Um, mm. What I'm seeing now in organization, especially the ones that are moving forward with true finance transformation projects, is really about making sure everybody is, is up on the same page and pushing in the same direction. Um, and finance really being an enabler of transformation um, we're talking a lot about, you know, digital transformation and those things, but I, I see this as really like a, you know, a corporate transformation that is sometimes supported by, by finance. Uh, one of the things that I think is really interesting um, is that they're, they're kind of, you know, starting the, um, the discussion and having, making sure that everybody's speaking the same language. Um, I'm working right now at, at, at a global CPG company, and, and they're just having meetings, trying to align everybody on what is it that we're talking about, right? Um, when we talk about quantity, are we talking about, you know, quantity purchased, quantity produced, quantity sold, quantity shipped? Those are major influences on, on everything, uh, from planning, forecasting, to even actuals and, and transactions. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does, and I, I like that self-reflection looking at it. Let's see what our other panelists have to say. Tiago Bala, agree or disagree with Julian's statement? I think he's right on. Um, I can actually, if you want to, I can actually pile on what he was saying. Yeah. Um, those days are actually really gone, you know, when um, a CFO or a CIO will come into a room and asking about, oh, uh, when do I actually get my books closed? Uh, when is it happening? Um uh, now it's more about they want everything to be happening in real time. And that everyone is expecting that. Um, it's just not the CAO or a C executives. It's even a, any user, data stewards. Everyone wants the data in the real time. As a, as a customer, right, um, you are actually tracking everything. Uh, Premier, USPS package, or a FedEx package, everything is real time right now. And uh, this made actually a huge difference in the marketplace in the last um, a few years now, especially with the artificial intelligence actually um, having a major play right now. This is going to really um, make a huge disruptor within the digital technology right now. Um, there are a few things I would actually like to actually bring on. A um, few years ago, if something is actually happening, they will take at least a couple of days for someone to actually get back as a result. So now, everything has to be online, real-time, instant. And 
we have all the data in your fingertips because of in-memory computing. So how do I actually make uh, use of it, right? That's why you have your machine learning, uh, cognitive computing, all those really yeah, cool technology has actually come up now. It's make it much easier. And if you put the right tool in the right timing, it makes a huge difference. There is, no, there is, no, there is actually a more productive way for the business to actually work on rather than actually creating a repetitive task on a day-to-day basis. Thank you, Tiago. Rob Jenkins, love to get your thoughts. Agree or disagree with anything or everything that we've said on this topic that we started with uh, with Julian. Go ahead. Well, I agree with my colleagues, no doubt. You know, it's almost driving a cultural change as well, this idea of compressing the time period between data to decision. So, you know, sometimes we say, well, technology has evolved and hardware and software and the network, et cetera. You know, a lot of folks would say it's really been a revolution. So the whole notion of finance being in the batch, uh, you know, mindset, this periodicity of uh, monthly finance and accounting processes, it's really now all about real time. So we call it, you know, continuous accounting, real time planning, but it is really driving a cultural change. Some of us remember uh, the uh, Federal uh, Reserve Chairman, the Greenspan briefcase indicator, and he had a big binder of hard copies he would drag around and it would sort of indicate uh, which way the Fed was going to move. Now we're talking about live presentations in the boardroom. So it's visual, it's real time, it's scenario modeling. No more hard copy handouts. So it's really a new era. It's almost a cultural change in finance. Definitely is. And that goes back to uh, to my question to you, Rob, at the beginning of the show about bringing the human element and the people. When you say cultural change, that has to be the people who work in finance. And we're not at the robot stage completely yet, are we? No, we're not. But we may be getting there. I don't know. I don't know. Have to see what the future of, of the uh, finance and CPA professions are in the next 10, 20 years. Maybe we can address that in our predictions round at the end of the show. Julian Delva, you started this topic. Anything you'd like to say back to your co-panelists about this? No, I, th- I think they're both right that uh, so we started this this point as more as a, you know, positioning and, and uh, a people side uh, of, of this equation and, and Thiago and Rob were, you know, bringing also the technical, you know, real-time part of it and, and, and that leads the two together, leads to the cultural revolution. So I think the, the two sides, the functional, you know, human part of it and, and the technical technology advances are enabling this, this culture change that Rob was talking about. Thank you very much. And, Tiago, I'm going to move on to some statements here in your notes. Let's let's really talk about technology here. I'm looking at your, your second statement. You say artificial intelligence engineers and developers will move toward building algorithm-driven AI that responds, makes decisions, and interacts with people in a human way. This is one of the most promising shifts AI will experience this year in 2018, and companies will need to chart their own courses. But let me read one more, and then you can comment. You say, but no matter which future you envision, the leaders will likely be those who figure out how to make digital work for finance and for the whole business, too. Talk to me about that, Tiago. Whose job is it to make digital work for finance? Um, I would definitely actually say it's a more about a combination of multiple resources, right? Mm-hmm. It's just not the um, CEO's job or a CFO's job. Um, they have to be envisioning what they need to bring on, but everyone needs to adapt, whether you like it or not. That's why even my, actually my quote, I said, you have to accept that there is a digital disruption is happening, 
first thing is accepting that. Next one is moving on and you know, figuring out how do I adapt to those things. Um, we actually did some survey based on uh, what we are looking at it is um, by 2026, you will be actually having some AI machine join, join many companies' corporate board of directors. So there will be like a really physical human along with the AI. That's how you're going to be actually having in 2026. 20, okay. The reason I'm being there is it's not only actually seeing in one company, we'll be seeing in a, so many different corporate world and many entrepreneur companies. Very, very common thing is they're actually automating AI. And I say AI is actually a combination about not just automating repetitive tasks, about also introducing some intelligence to that one. So as the bot or however you want to call that one, as it gets matured, is really giving you real value about the product, about giving you a real decisions as if a human actually making the decisions. If you take an FP&A planning instance, um, wh- what do you do in FP&A planning? And that's our topic, by the way, right? Um, mm-hmm. You actually compare actuals, you compare variances. How do you actually make the determination that I need to be actually increasing my um, revenue by X percent. I want to reduce my expenses by X dollars. Right? You actually do a combination of expenses, you actuals, you compare against last year, all those things. Now, cognitive analytics and along with the AI can actually do the job for you. Thank you, and, and, Bob and, Jenkins. And, and we okay. are actually seeing in a very, very mm-hmm. common many clients right now. Um, there are some early adapters, but believe it or not, Everyone, every company in like five years from now, they will be doing some sort of A without even knowing that they are actually part of A. I think that's the exciting part of it, or maybe that's the scary part. Rob Jenkins, why don't you comment on the interesting topic that Tiago just introduced to us, Rob? Uh, no doubt. Well, finance has definitely come a long way. You know, it's an ability to forecast accurately. There's no doubt. So now we have machine learning. And so machine learning allows the code to actually learn from the data and to make predictions. So these tools are really easy to use, no heavy stats, and you can really simulate, you know, complex scenarios with ease. So, Bonnie, this is, uh, as Tiago was mentioning there, this is kind of a, it's a new era of uh, IT and finance coming together, kind of consumer grade. We might call them citizen developers. Mm-hmm. So even a business major, an accounting major, a finance person can look at a lot of complex data unstructured data, social sentiment data, nonlinear data, and apply AI and machine learning to it and make predictions. And, of course, the machine has no bias, so no emotions. You can make empirical observations and predictions. So it's really exciting. He mentioned uh, chatbots. You know, the uh, conversational interface might be uh, the next preferred mode to interact with your computer in finance. Are we talking about robots in here somewhere? We're talking, I know, about <laughs> chatbots. Are we talking about actual – this is a, a funny picture. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember, but can you see uh, uh, the robot sitting in the, in the basement with the eye shade on and the green uh, CPA, the green, which we call it, the accountant's lamp, and, and pouring over the books and saying, yeah, it used to say, take some man or woman about 20 years ago. It used to take a – three weeks to do this and I'll just, I don't know, pour a cup of coffee. I'll ask the robot coffee maker to pour something from the Nespresso in the office and I'll have the whole thing done. Let's say we do the quarter in about four minutes and 10 seconds. Rob, do you think that'll ever come to pass? 
Maybe not the physical robot, Bonnie, but I will tell you we are entering an era. We'll make some predictions here in a little while, but uh, we're entering a new era for sure where the uh, transaction accounting tasks are definitely going to be automated. There you go. Automated. Good word, bad word. Let's move around the table. We started with Tiago. Let's get Julian Delva at TrueQuad. Julian, what do you think about what we've been talking about? Please chime in. Well, I think Tiago and Rob are hitting on the right uh, on the right uh, points there, but I'd like to caveat a little bit. Now, what I like is, is Tiago's last comment where, uh, where people are going to do artificial intelligence without knowing it. Um, I think that's going to be the most interesting part. Um, but where we see uh, the reality in the field is that, yeah, those technologies are being pushed by software vendors quite a lot. And there is definitely a lot of potential in there. The question is, what does that mean for organization, right? Um, and then how much is it going to take money and time and resources to first get up to speed? And that's the collaboration, you know, the people side of it. And then even also money, how long is it going to take us to do that? Um, so, so there's, there's one of them. Uh, what I see as well, and, and going back to Rob's comments about machines have no bias, it's actually not exactly correct. We've seen examples of, uh, of um, you know, how Facebook is like a sounding, um, a sounding room uh, where your views are going to be repeated and enhanced. So if you're going one extreme, you're going to go faster to that extreme. Um, so that, that's the things that um, we need to just be careful about. Um, there's one thing, uh, one new aspect that we need to look at, uh, and that's the human way, uh, again, going back to Chago's quote there, or point, where uh, going beyond artificial intelligence, there's uh, research now doing uh, related to explainable artificial intelligence. It's not good enough to see that the algorithm has selected a particular mix of product and customer and channel, the question is why did they did so? And also, how do we feed them with the information they don't have? Like we're going to open that new line or trying to get into that new territory. So yes, there's a lot of potential. We just have to be uh, first you know, conscious about the reality of, of you know, how long does it take to get there. Thank you very much. Very thoughtful comments on your topic and around the table. Rob Jenkins, I'm looking at your notes here. You said so much interesting information. You talked about social finance, cloud is here to stay, automated intelligence, instant finance, visual finance, and I'm going to pick the last one because I think this is fascinating. Let me just read a little. You say people love and need stories, okay, and every good story needs a picture. For 5,000 years, pictographs have played a role in communications. The days of manually creating charts and graphs from rows and columns of data are long ago. Go past. So let's talk about attention span, social anthropology, people collaboration, and getting quick answers to business questions through visualization of insights. I know that's a lot. A lot. I'm just extrapolating from your notes. But Rob, tell us, tell us the picture, the big picture. How's that? Absolutely. So you know, every good story needs a picture for sure. Mm-hmm. And so the new technology brings automation and beautiful. Visualization, so intuitive visualization, geospatial, multidimensional. So all of these illustrations with uh, the, you know, these proven design standards, so it's very, very automated, and really uh, it enhances our ability to tell the story, to communicate. So we're trying to help the audience. You know, typically we're making a presentation either internally or externally, of course, or to the boss. 
and it's all about helping, uh, you know, discover insights, right? What is, uh, what, what are we going to really make a decision around and how can we create competitive advantage? And so these data sets are very complex. So it's all about accelerating uh, the decision, uh, but it's also about, you know, creating insight with a visualization. So people love stories, they need stories, but they also need a picture. So tell me, is this something that, that I'll call them the tried and true, the bastions of finance who've been there for years, are they embracing this, Robert? Ah, give me my spreadsheet, give me my charts. What do you mean I can touch a dashboard and all of these pictures will come up and they're going to be beautiful and they're going to be accurate and they're going to be insightful? Are they ready for this? Well, they love it. They love it. They uh, a lot of them are still doing spreadsheet gymnastics for sure. <laughs> uh, but you know, there's a lot of pain points out there around people still creating manual, uh, you know, pie charts and bar charts and you know graphs in uh, in Excel and other tools. And so there's a lot of inefficiency, a lot of pain, and a lot of excitement about a business analyst being able to create uh, what in the old days would have taken a real graphic design artist to create. These are literally automated, beautiful, intuitive, and insightful. And it really is exciting, Bonnie. It's a real new era. So this is inspiring collaboration. I'm assuming that's where we're going with this. Am I right, Rob? Absolutely. You know, you got to get together with people, obviously, and tell a story, whether you're sending an email or sending a text message or on a social network or actually in an office or, you know, in a meeting room. And you have to tell a story. You have to have a punchline and you have to have, you know, some insight. You have to tell them something they don't know. And so these visualizations are really effective ways to enhance communication between people. No doubt. Absolutely fascinating, and I'm glad that they're embracing it. Let's go around the table. Julian Delvad, Truqua, what do you think about the concept of visual finance pictures that are worth way more than a thousand words and worth more than a thousand dollars? Julian. Oh, I love it. There's there's a lot of new technologies going there and trying to yeah just move away from uh, from tables and numbers to. Um, to, to the graphs and charts. Uh, what is interesting, though, is uh, we had uh, comments internally uh, from on a project for a CPG company where, again, we're doing some finance transformation and trying to push towards real-time, you know, data reporting and visualization. And, and there had to be a stream of work related to change management because now the accountant and controllers will have this data real-time at the same time as the CFO. And the question is, well, what's, what's the story behind the numbers? We didn't have the time to put it together. Um, and, and how do we explain those numbers at the same time as, you know, uh, the higher-ups are looking at the same numbers at the same time? So uh, how do we do that when in the, the time, uh, in the past, we had the time to do the gymnastics and even maybe massage the, the numbers so that they look good? There's no hiding anymore, but the question is, yeah, how, when do we have the time to, to, to look and tell the story. And this is also where I think the automation piece is going to, to give us that time and, and look at the, the numbers and, you know, create the story together or understand it. I think that's fascinating. It, it is fascinating. I'm, I'm enlightened by all of what you're saying. Tiago Bala at Deloitte Consulting, love to get your thoughts on visual finance. What do you think? Are you using it? Do you see it? Are your clients embracing it yet? Talk to me. Um, I, I think we are. Um, so as we actually start going through many organization change and transformation, everyone is talking about digital finance right now. Um, and again, as I said, um, that is actually inevitable for them. Um, even as a personally, 
um, if you're, I think most of us all using Netflix, right? Uh, you think um, all those suggestions for the movies and dramas and everything is actually coming by itself. No, that's actually, we are actually using artificial intelligence there. Based on what you have seen in the past, it is reading your patterns, it is actually bringing up suggestions for you. So people are really using it without even realizing that they are using AI and machine learning. Thank you very much. I'm, you know, I've covered, I've touched on at least one major discussion statement from each of the panelists, and we're ahead of time. We rarely get this much time. We always have the same hour, but we rarely have this much time. I'm just amazed you've you've all been so efficient and yet very insightful. So uh, what I'd like to do, Julian, I'm looking at your notes here, and here's something uh, you want to talk a little bit about, uh, Asia uh, and Western countries in, in, with the context of finance. Let me just read this and, and see if you can relate this to our topic because I think it's interesting and we haven't talked about geography yet or geo geolocations of finance. You say the fabric of the population is shifting. The emergence of a middle class in Asia or its disappearance in Western countries can be a significant driver of shifts in demands. This not only impacts your volume but your margin mix. So talk to me about how this relates to the collaboration in the finance department. This should be interesting. Go ahead, Julian. Well, again, as we said earlier, it, it's all about collaboration. That's not something mm-hmm. that really finance uh, um, discovers on their own. This is something that people in the field um, do uh, understand and see, and that's the influence from the environment. As I said earlier, I'm, I'm living in Miami, and, and Miami is kind of the door to uh, Latin America, especially ever since related to travel retail. So, um, those organizations, they have to, um, you know, work their plan and forecast by product and um, customer and channel so, so that they don't cannibalize, you know, the, their retail versus travel retail versus direct to consumer. And external factors like, um, you know, fabric of population or even uh, in that particular case for Latin America, there's a lot of uh, currency and inflation impact. So how do you take these external factors of demography or uh, economy and input that into your processes for maybe zero-based budgeting or Mm -hmm. even forecasting and demand planning? I mean, those are things that are just humanely not possible to do at the granular enough level. So people are doing it today at a very high level, but there's definitely differences in how how those, those, those happen. For instance, I have a friend who's working for uh, an alcohol-producing company, Liquor, um, and changes in regulation in Asia meant that they, nobody was buying them anymore to avoid corruption. When they used to you know, come back home and have a $1,000 bottle of uh, a nice uh, cognac, uh, they, they can't do that anymore because of those regulations. So. So how do we take that into account and, and, and as many of those parameters as possible for, for planning and forecasting? That's why we need Thank collaboration from everybody. Yeah. I'm sorry. I could no, go on very forever on that. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's why I picked it because it was it was seemed like a little far afield on our topic, but I knew you would bring it back to, to the basics of what is finance trying to do. Well, it's it's part of a business, and we opened with the idea of being a truly intelligent steward of the business, and you have to take into account all of what you said. Rob or Tiago, you want to chime in on what Julian just shared with us, either one of you? Yeah, well, my comment would be we're seeing a lot of customers almost crowdsource uh, the budget and uh, the Mm. forecast. 
So what does that idea, mean? Uh, what does that mean, Rob? That was very uh, provocative. What you said. What is that? Yeah, it's uh, it was with finance not being the central control tower and actually inputting uh, the numbers based on their best judgment, but actually reaching out to the business communities and actually, you know, sort of uh, enabling uh, the input by the actual operators in the business and getting a very frequent update in terms of the forecast, and it really gets their skin in the game, if you will. So the more team members collaborating cross-functionally, you know, of course, the new technology platforms enable this, but it also, to your Bonnie, uh, point, Bunny, it really it requires an approach by finance, a, a personable approach to reach out. And, you know, some people really want to connect the budget and the forecast to the strategy, and some uh, folks are more concerned about the accuracy of the data itself in terms of being harmonized, et cetera. So it's a very different types of people all coming together, uh, but we call it kind of crowdsourcing. The budget, the forecast, a very collaborative approach enabled by these new technology platforms. Well, thank you. That's just absolutely fascinating. I, I don't think that the rulers that be or the powers that be would ever have entertained the idea or allowed that even a few years ago. Am I right, Rob? Would have been unheard no, exactly. of. Exactly. I think there was a day when finance would say, we really don't want the salespeople touching the revenue forecast. <laughs> and, uh, but I think we've, we've entered a new era now where they realize it's going to be the most accurate uh, the more people that are involved, democratizing it. Keep your mitts off my budgets, off my forecast. How dare you? We're closing the door to the silo in the ivory tower, and you can't come in. We'll tell you what we found. Interesting. Tiago, I think I heard you in the background. Yeah. You would like to comment yeah, on this? I'm Go I'm ahead. Back. Yeah, Go ahead. That. Um, That's okay. I think fighting on to what I think you were saying, right? Um, earlier on, we had the social media more for fun, but now the social media actually makes a huge difference right now in terms of how um, FP&A planners actually use the social media data. Um, earlier on, we never actually used the social media data or external data to forecast anything. We don't actually test or check what customers are thinking about the product in social media. But now it makes a huge difference in terms of how we actually analyze the data, how we utilize the data, how do I actually reflect that in my part of my FP&A planning. And this whole thing can be actually automated using machine learning, right? I can actually have a bot which goes after going after social media, bringing the data back and making some meaningful decisions in how my FP&A planning process works. Absolutely fascinating. And, and we are seeing a trend, yep. actually. We are seeing a trend yep. that, again, uh, not many customers are using it yet, but that's the direction we are actually seeing the marketplace going towards. Every, every data, they have to make it to meaningful sense. Thank you very much. I'm going to circle back around to Julian. Julian, any comments on the interesting sidebars that we got from, well, the input we got from Rob and from Tiago on your topic? Anything you'd like to add? No, they, they were um, a very, very interesting uh, input. I'm just, it just reminds me of uh, a book I'm reading. Uh, it's called IT Business Partnerships, A Field Guide by Joseph Topinka. And it's interesting that um, um, everything he recommends for IT, uh, reading it as a finance professional, actually, to me, makes uh, it, it is still valid for finance or maybe every other um, function in the organization. Um, so it's something to, to, to look at, I think. Um, and one of those topics is understanding the competitive landscape. But what Rob said about uh, crowdsourcing the planning, I, I want to see that. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, th- I think we all do, and I'm not even in finance. By the way, uh, Julie and I just found the book, IT Business Partnerships, A Field Guide, Paving the Way for Business and Technology Convergence by Joseph Topinka, T-O-P-I-N-K-A. It is on, I did a Google search, and it's on Amazon, and it's got a 4.2 out of 5 on Goodreads, and they say it's a must-read <laughs> for any IT leader. They don't even say C-suite. They don't even say finance. They say any IT leader as a career CIO and founder of CIO Mentor, Joseph Topinka, draws on his experiences implementing IT business partnership programs. Very interesting. Thank you for the mention of the book. We always look this stuff up because it's so interesting. <laughs> so now we are officially in the round table. I want to know what you're all going to be predicting for crowdsourcing of budgets and forecasts. Rob, you really started something. Rob, you know, maybe we want to suggest to Chris Grundy and, and uh, Pras Chatterjee doing a topic on budget crowdsourcing. What do you think, Rob Jenkins? Interesting. I idea? like it. I like it. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, I really do, does. too. You know what? If, and I have to say, Pras has been tweeting since we started the show. He's tweeted more than I have, and that really says something. And he did mention that he changed <laughs> his drink. He said, I have to do a shout-out. Pras Chatterjee at SAP, thank you. And he says, I'm changing my tea game with B.I.B. Luo Chun, special green tea from Hangzhou. H-A-N-G-Z-H-O-U. I don't know how to pronounce that anymore because it changes. And he uses the hashtag, <laughs> no coffee today. Thank you, Pras. I appreciate that. So, Pras, you're listening and Chris Grundy is listening. So if you won't do a show on crowdsourcing budgets, I'm going to do it on Coffee Break with Game Changers, our flagship series. I think I can tackle a finance pro- finance program on that topic as well. So, Julian Delvatrucqua, it's time for you to look into the crystal ball, or if you want, I have a nice disco ball here in my garage, 36 inches from a hotel in Oregon. I bought the – no, I didn't just demolish the hotel. I bought the ball when they demolished the hotel uh, many, many years ago. So we're going to do our disco ball predictions and keep it lively here. Julian, what do you see coming down the pike in the next oh, five to ten years for finance planning, being intelligent, being a true steward of the business, and the concept of more technology but human collaboration? 60 seconds, Julian. They're all yours. Go ahead. Well, um, not sure if I mentioned, but I'm an SAP mentor, and I had the chance to to have a discussion with Hassel Platner, the founder of SAP, and I think we'll finally be able to realize his vision, which is the system should handle everything that um, works as expected, and people only handle exceptions. So you could think about a zero-based budgeting, maybe with crowdsourcing, or maybe with just artificial intelligence or machine learning, giving us a base for all the planning and forecasting and people introducing their drivers for what they think is just the exception instead of, you know, starting and rebuilding 100% of the budget. So I'm hoping that um, all those tools will come together to enable that in the near future. Thank you very much. Very eloquent. Tiago Bala at Deloitte Consulting. I can give you a whole, oh my goodness, I can give you almost 90 seconds because Julian was so concise. Go ahead, Tiago, predict for me, please. I, I think, uh, again, um, it's, it's not just the technology component at all, right? And when I say technology, um, I think the word itself is very confusing, even as a technology savvy person like me and anyone else like in the call. Um, because people always use those words, um, machine learning or a um, natural language recognition or a artificial intelligence is all interlinked, basically. 
Um, but definitely it's a combination of all those things going to be actually having a major play in the next upcoming years. Um, definitely the machine learning will be one of the key areas. I strongly see that huge potential uh, once people start um, working on same as blockchain. Um, in 2008 or 9, whenever the Bitcoin was started, people not even thought about whether you will be investing in Bitcoin or whether it's going to be real or not. But after a few years from now, we see a huge potential in that same thing. The same way when we talk about machine learning, um, we are actually going to be seeing a great opportunity to go and venture that one to be uh, doing all your transactional processing along with you are giving some informative decisions on many areas. As I said, you will be having a one of those AI or a machine bot will be part of your steering committee meeting a few years from now. Fascinating. And who's going to bring the coffee? Okay, let's, let's go to Rob Jenkins. You're up. I've got, well, I've got about 90 seconds for you. And go ahead. What's your prediction? Rob. I'm going to say by 2022, 25% of the accountants in finance today are going to move into strategic finance. And they will hopefully even become self-described strategic finance professionals. So I'm going to say 25% of the current-day accountants will move into strategic finance by 2022. And Bonnie, this all goes back to, you know, automation is really going to support the accounting and transaction processes. And the humans are going to manage uh, by exception and uh, focus on analytics. So I think the trend continues There's a term out there called robotic process automation, RPA, mm-hmm. and I think it's got traction and momentum, and I think it continues, so that's my prediction. I think it does, too. We actually had a topic here in Tiago's list. He says, RPA for finance, or organizations automate 25% to 40% of their workflow today. They can be simple or extensive, same way the bots can collaborate with the planners to help them with the forecast. See, Tiago, I got that one in for you. There we go, because Rob brought it up. Thank you so much. Gentlemen, it's been a real pleasure talking about the human side, the collaboration, as well as the deep technology. And I'd love to know if we get together again, if you see finance becoming more exciting for the younger generations. We call them millennials once in a while, but I think there's another one after them already. I think they're, they're already older. They're in their 30s already the leading edge. So I just want to say thank you to the three of you and a shout out to Chris Grundy and Pras Chatterjee for putting together such an intelligent panel on such an interesting and timely topic, The Secret to Intelligent Finance Planning Collaboration. I'm Bonnie D. Graham and here is my shout out to our engineer Aaron in the Business Channel. Thank you very much. I'll be back tomorrow uh, talking about blockchain and trust and startups on our flagship show Coffee Break with Game Changers. Should be a fascinating show. We're going to talk about blockchain. You got to hear that one. So here Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Come on. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer. I almost sound like I came from New York. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Julian Delvat at Truqua, just like Tiago Bala at Deloitte, and just like Rob Jenkins at SAP. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Helping you to run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO. And join host Bonnie D. Graham Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time 
here on the Business Channel. Wishing you a game-changing week.